0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. In First Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1 says, the Spirit expressly says, we've been looking at this for several weeks. And... Uh, when I read something like that, I mean, the Word of God is the Spirit saying something explicitly. But when Paul says the Spirit is explicitly saying something, that's a double. Isn't that right? That's doubly uh, significant or should get our, our, our attention even more would be a better, better way to say it. In latter times, well, last times, latter days, some did say everybody, didn't say now it's interesting I take a little side journey I do that every now and then you notice that the heading of this above this chapter if you're reading from the New King James it says the great apostasy no, 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 no it's not talking about a great apostasy it's talking about some who depart the word depart some will depart that's where the Greek word is is apostasy and it means a departure some will depart I'm not departing You're not departing. You don't have to. Amen. But there are some who hold that before Jesus returns, there will be a great departure, a great falling away. You're in 1 Timothy. Go back to to 2 Thessalonians. Go back to the previous book, chapter 2. Let no one, verse number 3 says, let no one, notice the heading of this chapter. The great apostasy. This is a doctrine that is firmly established in the church. Otherwise, they wouldn't have Bible translators putting headings. <laughs> adding to the scripture, you might say, adding to their Bible, the great apostasy. No, Jesus said some. Let no one deceive you, verse 3 says. Uh, by any means for that day, the day of the Lord, will not come until first... The the falling away comes first. That's the word departure. It comes first, and the man of sin is revealed. And uh, notice what happens when when the the falling away comes, when the departure comes. That's translated falling away, but it's it's the same as the departure. Notice what happens when this this falling away comes. The man of sin is revealed. But if you drop on down... uh, to verse 7 says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawlessness, the lawless one will be revealed. Notice two things happen and, and both cause the same thing. There's a departure and then there is the, uh, uh, the one who's revealed is taken out of the way then the lawlessness, the lawless one will be revealed. So there's two things, a falling away or a departure and, and the one who is restraining the lawless one is taken out of the way and boom, we have the man of sin revealed. Well, that's talking about the rapture of the church. That's the great departure. And that is going to be a great departure. That's gonna be a great departure. That's going to be a monumental, epic departure, not from the faith, but of the church being caught up into heaven. Glory to God to meet the Lord in the air. Well, praise the Lord. Go back to 1 Timothy and look at chapter 4 again. In the last days, the Spirit expressly says, some will depart from the faith. Well, uh, we're seeing that. We're seeing some. Amen. Doesn't have to be me. It's not going to be me. Doesn't have to be you. Amen. And what will cause uh, these people to fall away from the faith? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That says then that in the last days there will be deceiving spirits in, in, a, in a special degree, in a degree that, that uh, has not been before, Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Well, we don't want to, uh, to be a part of that. It's my job as a pastor to uh, protect the church from ministers who would bring in doctrines of demons. But I can't go home with you. I can't, I can't regulate what you watch on television or who you follow on the on the internet or on your on your devices, I, I can't regulate that. It's not my job, but I can warn you that there are doctrines of demons, and there are there are ministers, so called ministers, who teach doctrines that actually come from the devil. Amen. And so, it's our job to be alert to both false doctrines and false ministers and to false manifestations of the so-called manifestations of the Spirit, They have to be discerned. It's our job to do that. So I want to begin tonight talking about testing or judging, however you want to say it. I don't know what the, the final title will be, but testing... Dreams, visions, revelations, spiritual manifestations, and ministries. Testing these things. Now, judging or testing spiritual manifestations and the such does not mean that you're anti-spiritual manifestation. It doesn't mean that you're not spiritual or that you're opposed to the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are people in the body of Christ uh, who are... Uh, they deny any workings of the Spirit except that that's covert that nobody ever sees. They don't believe in any manifestations of the Spirit. They don't believe in any kind of sign or wonder. God's not doing any of those things according to this view. There are a lot of people believe, probably a good portion of the church uh, believe that all that's passed away. so if there's anything, Supernatural. No, don't get spooked with the word "supernatural." It's supernatural, not spooky natural. (laughs) That's a that's a good Randall Greer uh, expression. Don't don't be alarmed by the by the. terminology supernatural now in the world if you think about supernatural anything that you if you google anything supernatural to search anything you 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 start finding you know haunted houses and and things that go bump in the night and weird stuff moving around the resides that, see that's the world's idea of supernatural supernatural just means above the natural beyond the natural and as christians we believe that god works beyond the natural you can't you can't read the Bible and deny that God does things supernaturally among his people. You see it from the Old Testament. You see it from the days of Moses, when Aaron threw down his rod and 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 uh, uh, you know things happened and Moses took the rod and stretched out his hand, and all of these signs were, were released and these judgments released, and Moses stood up, you know, before before the, the Red Sea. God said, Stretch out your hand, hold your rod, stretch out your hand, and the waters parted. I'm whoo! Glory to God. That is supernatural. It's not spooky. God does. When God does something supernatural, it is not scary to Christians. Now, unbelievers might quake and shake, but Christians, it warms our heart when God does something. So, from, like I said, from Moses' time, Joshua, right on through the the judges and and, and through the the, the prophets of Israel, uh, there were supernatural things happening. Jesus of all people operated in the super, supernatural. He was one whose ministry was attested to by signs and wonders and and, and uh, uh, miraculous things that happened. On into the church age, into the acts of the apostles, there were signs and wonders, miraculous things, supernatural things. So, so we're not talking about spooky things. And... Uh, uh, And so if you're a Bible-believing Christian, you acknowledge that God does move in miraculous ways. And if he's not doing it now, then something's wrong. Amen. And, And it's our responsibility as people of the Spirit to hold these things sacred. And to make sure that they pass from one generation to to another generation, what I mean by that is that a generation is not raised up that doesn't see the power of God, doesn't witness the supernatural. We have to make sure that that we live this, experience this, operate in this, and pass this down to the next generation or it will be lost. That's how denominations and groups that started in the fire ended up cold and dead and formal. And so we, we can't let that happen. And so, and so talking about judging or testing these things, like I said, doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It means you are spiritual. It, it means that it doesn't mean you're opposed to the work of the Spirit. It means that you want to honor the work of the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John Chapter 4, where we are given explicit direction in this regard. 1 John 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world he said, believers are not to just believe everything they see or hear. Every manifestation that is, that is supposed to be of God is not necessarily of God. We have been charged with the responsibility, all of us, to test these things. He said so right here. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God or whether they're not. Either are or they aren't. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Well, if there were many false prophets then, there are many false prophets today. There were false apostles then. If there are false apostles then, there are false apostles today. Amen. And it's, and it's the church's job to, to judge these things, to test these things. God expects us to. Now, from the beginning... Whenever there was something true, Satan always came to uh, pervert it and present something that wasn't true in its place. You see that in the Garden of Eden. God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, of all of the trees of the garden, you may freely eat except of this one tree. He didn't tell them why. He just said, don't eat of it. You know, you don't always need to know why. How many of your parents know that's true? (laughs) just because I said so. And if you do it, you're going to get your butt beat. God, God said, the day you eat of it, you're going to die. Don't eat this. So immediately the devil comes and, and comes to, to uh, uh, a gullible woman. If you were here Wednesday night. <laughs> Came to Eve and said, did the Lord say you're not supposed to eat of every tree And she said, well, he said we could eat of all the trees except this tree and we're not to eat of it even and not even supposed to touch it. Well, he didn't say that. The devil said, you're not, you won't die. Are you kidding me? You're not going to die if you eat of this. The devil always comes to twist God's word and to present something false in the place of something that's true. Amen. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit before, uh, I want to start this by talking about false ministries. And uh, because you'll see, go, go back over to, to uh, uh, 1 Timothy again. Uh, go, go to 2 Timothy. And you'll notice in verse 8, excuse me, verse 6, 1 Tim, 2 Timothy 3 6. You know where I'm going. 2 Timothy, I don't, but you do. 2 Timothy 3 6. For of this sort, he, he talks about in the first part of this chapter how what the condition of men would be in the last days. Perilous times would come. Men would be lovers of themselves, boastful and lovers of money and all that stuff. So this is a picture of the ungodly. He's talking about men in the world. But it can, but it can, it can be true of carnal Christians. A carnal Christian can can exhibit... Exhibit any of these characteristics by by listening to the flesh and yielding to the flesh, but after listing this this uh, describing the generation of men that would exist in the last days, in verse six he says, "Of this sort are those." So there are. He's talking now. Here he starts talking about ministers because they try to get into the church. They they try to they try to creep into the church. They try to come in by stealth. And by trickery and by deception, they try to sneak into the church. And, uh, uh, and of course, you know, that, that could also be true from people who are outside the church could try to bring in uh, wrong things. But, but of this sort, he said, there are ministers who are of this sort. Think about that. There, are, there will be ministers in the last days who will call themselves Reverend so-and-so, preacher so-and-so. Pastor so-and-so, apostle so-and-so, prophet so-and-so, but they're of the sort of people that scribed in the first three or four verses here. That's alarming. Of this sort are those who would creep into churches. We established that. Now, the early church had a huge problem with false apostles And we can expect the same problems today. False apostles. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians. And let's look at chapter 11. Hallelujah. Let's read the first six verses and then we'll skip down to verse number 12. Verse Verse one says, oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. You know, sometimes the pastor just needs somebody to bear with <laughs> him. While, while I get into some stuff, okay? He said, and it may even seem folly. Bear with me in a little folly. Indeed, you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you, with a godly jealousy for i have betrothed to you or betrothed you to one husband that i may present you as a chaste virgin to christ but i fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in christ For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached. There are people today preaching another Jesus that we haven't preached. He he sounds like the same Jesus, but his doctrine isn't the same as Jesus'. You'll know them by their their fruit. Amen. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not received... Or if you receive a different spirit, be careful. If you receive a different spirit which you have not received or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Wow. I'm sure that made them shout and run the aisles. He said, bear with me. (laughs) You may well put up with it. And here, and here he's, he's, he starts getting into to, to what he described as a little folly. He said, for I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles. He's tooting his own horn. Paul was being criticized and he was being compared to other so-called ministers who called themselves apostles and they were flashy they were flamboyant. They were well-spoken. They presented themselves in, in grandeur. And the Apostle Paul was none of those things. He was a, 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 a man of, of uh, limited impression. He didn't, he didn't have a big charismatic persona. He wasn't the kind of person that when he walked in the room, he just sucked all the air, air, air and oxygen out of the room. He was, he was uh, well, he said in verse 6, he said, I'm not trained, I'm untrained in speech. So he didn't talk very well. Even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. He said, church, Corinthians, I'm an open book. I might not be as elegant or, or uh, eloquent. That's what I was trying to say. I might not be as eloquent or as uh, well-spoken. And I might not come in with all of the fanfare and the, and the hoopla of all these other ministers. He said, but you know my life. Amen. Let's skip down because he goes into another uh, topic here. But he said, but what I do, verse number 12, I will also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things which they boast. He said, there were, there were some apostles. He goes on to talk to them in the verse, next verse, there are false apostles. Apostles. These false apostles were circulating in the church and they had come to Corinth. And he said they were seeking an opportunity to be regarded as I'm regarded. They wanted to come in and have the church at Corinth look up to them like they did to the apostle Paul. Paul founded that church. And these false apostles came in. They were looking for an opportunity to be regarded. They wanted recognition. The same thing happens in the church world today. There are many in the church who are looking for recognition. I see them sometimes when they come in the door. They want to shake my hands and they want to say right away, I'm preacher so-and-so. I'm pastor so-and-so. I'm this or I'm that. That automatically puts a red flag up with me. When, when Pastor Doug came here, he and, 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 and uh, uh, Joyce, I don't know how long you were here before I even found out you were a pastor. Pastors and apostles and prophets don't have to go around with a flag saying who they are or what they are or how God uses them. Amen. And uh, they, these people want to be regarded. They want to be, they People who have established ministries have established ministries because they've stood the test of time. Their teaching has, been, has stood the test of time. Their lives have stood the test of time and that's why they're regarded. But these other guys want to come in and by their flash in the pan be regarded just like somebody else. He said, no. He said, I'm going to cut off their opportunity. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you here with me? But what I do, I will continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. He said there, the, the, of these kinds of people are false apostles. The word in, in the Greek for apostles is apostolos and this is a compound word and the and the prefix is pseudo they were pseudo apostles that simply meant they were pretend apostles someone who represented himself to be an apostle when in fact he was not an apostle that's what a pseudo apostle such are fake apostles deceitful workers hmm for such are pseudo apostles fake apostles, and deceitful workers. Now, this word defeat comes from a, a, a Greek word that's used to describe the bait that fishermen put on the hook to hide the hook so the fish will take the hook. They put bait on there to deceive the... In fact, this word deceitful... A derivative of this word was in in the in in earlier times was actually the word for fishermen. Fishermen were deceitful. That was was what they were called. In other words, are you hearing me? A fisherman, the 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 name fisherman meant deceitful one. (laughs) Because that's what fishermen do, they deceive the fish. So what I do when I fish, I'm out to trick them. I'm out to deceive them. I'm wanting them to take what is not real. And so I'll put, you know, I'm a fly fisherman, so I, I, I fish with completely fake bait, man-made. And, and there are little insects that, that hatch on the river bottom and, and whenever the, the temperature and the, and the daylight and the seasons begin to warm up, these, these larvae begin to break loose from the bottom of, of a creek bed, and they begin to float to the surface. And as they're floating to the surface, they, they start shucking this cocoon that they're in. And when they get to the top of the water, they, they sit on the top of the water, and they're called flies. They're stone flies, uh, 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 caddis flies, midges, different these aquatic insects and they sit on the surface of the water for just a, a few moments, and, and they have newly sprouted wings, but they're wet, and they sit there on the surface of the water, and they, and they shake their we, wings and, and, and try to throw off that water. They're only there for a few moments, and they fly away. Now, they don't have a very good life. They fly away, and an hour, within an hour, they mate, and the female drops her eggs into the water, and they both die. So they've lived all year for this. Well, a fly fisherman, I have I <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> so, a fly fisherman, what I do is I is I as I have these little flies, but they're they're they don't look like house flies. They look they're they're made to look like the little aquatic insects that, that have arisen from the bottom. And they're sitting on the surface of water, so I throw these these uh, uh, cast these flies out there, and they're made to look like what is called the hatch. Whatever hatch is going on, and there could be little insects that hatch. So I try to find a fly in my in my uh, tackle, in my fly box that re- as closely replicates you know, what those insects are feeding. If, if, if midge fi- flies are hatching, I don't need to be casting a caddis fly because they're feeding on midge flies. So I, what I do is I try to find one that closely resembles what they're eating and these trout will come up and they'll see that, that, that fly sitting on the surface and they come up and they, and they, they slurp. You'll see these little ringlets of water on the, on the surface of the water. They come and they slurp, slurp one up and they slurp another up. Well, I've gotten that, that fly out there but it's got a hook on it. I am trying my best to deceive those fish because I know if I get, if I set that hook, he's mine. If he takes, now if he takes the bait, taking the bait is part of, but I have to set the hook. Back in, when did we go? Was it last May we went up to Georgia? September. I, I, I had a trout. He was humongous, the one that got away. But the man, I went with a guide, and he told me, he said, that's the biggest trout I have ever seen hit a dry fly. Dry flies are the flies on the top. I also have flies that that replicate the larva that are floating up. So I got different kind of flies. But the dry flies are the ones that sit on the top of the water. He said, that's the biggest. He said, get it, get it, get it. Well, the trout swam to me, I mean right out me, and and I couldn't get the slack up in, in my reel. I couldn't get it in enough, and he threw it. He said, man, that is the largest trout I have ever in my life seen hit a dry fly. So it wasn't just me, it was a big one. <laughs> and it got away. Yeah. <laughs> but I caught some nice trout that day. And the way I caught them was I first of all deceived them and then I set the hook. And when you set that hook, just if you set the hook right, he's he not getting off. That's the word deceitful. It's the word that's used for the bait that fishermen put on their hook. These false apostles will try to deceive the church with something that looks right, that looks true, but it isn't. And if they can get the church to take the bait, they'll set the hook. And I have been around a long time in the body of Christ, and I have seen myself, how difficult it is to get people free from false doctrine once they've swallowed it. Once they take the hook, it's the hardest thing in the world to get that out of their mouth. That's what the devil does. He's deceitful and it's what false apostles do. They're deceitful. The next word is workers. They're deceitful workers. That means what they do is not accidental or unintentional they've worked hard at it honing their skills planning their means and luring unsuspecting believers now that's that's amazing i mean that's shocking that there would be people coming into churches who have honed their skills they practice their intention they're not doing this accidentally they're intending to deceive people so that they can get the hook in their mouth so that they can be regarded as somebody. That's what they want. They want to be regarded. They want the, the, the acclaim. They want the reputation. They want the glory. They want the money because right away, they're going to ask for your money. Amen. He said, we, we, uh, it is amazing well, let, let me, before I, before I get into the next verse where he talks about it being amazing, verse number 13 goes on to say, they transformed themselves into the apostles of Christ. Do you remember from our study in Romans chapter 12? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word conformed meant do, do not take on uh, an outward uh, image that is not Representative of you who of, of who you are on the inside, but is patterned after this world, the word that's translated transformed is a variation a very i should say a similar word to the word that was translated conformed is translated transformed here. He said that these false apostles transform themselves into the apostles of Christ they they take on an outward appearance. That is not true. And they do it intentionally. They, they want to look like apostles. They want to call. You say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? Listen, we had one of them in our church just a few months ago. He sat right back in that area about where uh, uh, Wendell and, and Laurie are sitting right back. And he came for several services. You remember? You know who I'm talking about. There's a couple of you, of you uh, people in our church who know who I'm talking about. He was a false apostle. And he came to our service, like I said, he came for several weeks, he didn't come every week, but interspersed over a period of, of maybe, I don't know, two months in the first part of this year. He sat right back over there. He was an, a so-called apostle. I went to his website. And in his website, he, he, had, uh, he was visiting with another apostle. And it was this real, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be overly sarcastic, but it was this little low-budget set, and they're in this room, and Apostle uh, Dudad was welcome, welcoming Apostle so-and-so. And so Apostle Dudad says, well, it's great to have Apostle so-and-so with us today. And Apostle so-and-so said, well, it's great to, have, to be with you, Apostle Dudad." And they were self, It was like this mutual uh, uh, apostolic... Uh, 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 Admiration Society. They were both conferring apostleship on each other. And, 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 and don't just mean to be sarcastic or, or, or critical, but they talked about their ministry and what they were doing, but they, they didn't talk about anything that would indicate they were true apostles. They didn't talk about any churches they had founded. They didn't talk about any of the places they had been and preached the gospel where it hadn't been preached. They didn't talk about any signs and wonders. They just, they just called themselves apostles, and he showed up here in our church. Well, I just ignored him, and he went away. i would noticed this a long time ago. This kind of came as a, as a surprise to me. I really didn't know what was going on. In the early days of our church, way back in the 80s, every now and then I'd have some of these fake ministers show up in my church. And they had caused problems in other churches in the area. Now, I guarantee you, I never had a conversation. Now, I was polite to this this pseudo apostle. And I shook his hand. I did not say, glad to see you. I'm not going to lie. I shook his hands and said, hello, and and smiled at him. And that was it. Because I knew he wasn't going to cause any problem here. I noticed years ago that some of these fake ministers would show up in our church and I knew that they had caused problems. They had infiltrated, gone around the gator, gator, greater, gator, the greater gator community of churches, reptilian churches. (laughs) And they had infiltrated those churches and caused problems. I never said a word to them other than just shake their hand. I never acknowledged them, never said anything. And after a while, they just left. I saw that again and again. I'm thinking, well, now, why is it they didn't cause a problem at at Faith Christian Fellowship? That's what our church used to be called. Why didn't they cause a problem at Faith Christian Fellowship? I know they caused a problem at at Pastor So-and-So's Church and Pastor So-and-So's Church and Pastor So-and-So's Church. But they just came here and went their way. Because I didn't give them any opportunity now, I can tell you this much, the devil senses some things and they no doubt sense that if they had ever opened their mouths and tried to interject something, I would have run them out of here on a rail. I'm not being braggadocious. It's not a, you know, it's not a, 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 a masculine thing. I'm just a pastor and I'm not going to let anybody come in here and deceive my church. And, and I didn't understand it, but, what I, but I discovered what it was is that when you know your place and you know who you are and you know your office and you know your authority, the devil knows that you know it. So this man stayed a few weeks and then he eventually drifted on. So there are false apostles right in our area. He lives in this area, this particular guy. And he's, and he's a pseudo-apostle. He's not an apostle. Now, like I said, you might think, well, that's amazing. That's amazing that somebody would do that. Well, the next verse, Paul said, don't be amazed. (laughs) And no wonder. In other words, don't wonder. Don't be amazed. Don't be shocked. No wonder. No wonder. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing. See, I didn't think it was a great thing. I didn't get nervous. I didn't plot and position somebody to take him out. It was no great thing because I I knew he's just being like the devil. The devil transforms himself into an angel of righteousness, so it's no great thing if his ministers transform themselves into an angel of light. Amen. Ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Now, some people are just deluded and misguided. But when you start calling yourself an apostle, You've, you've stepped into another realm of deception. Amen. The New Testament church recognized apostles as very powerful ministers. The, the apostolic office was very real in the first century church. It was highly regarded because apostles were men of tremendous anointing beyond the ordinary, beyond uh, pastors and evangelists and teachers. The anointing on on an apostle was was recognizable. And so the church had a great regard for it, but but the devil then wanted to to replicate that same type of ministry in order to bring deception into the church. And go to Revelation chapter 2 with me. Revelation 2. Ephesus, the church that I told you I'd get to Ephesus. The church at Ephesus had a real problem, an extraordinarily... an, an extraordinary problem with, with fake apostles beyond the ordinary. Now, Paul talked about these fake apostles at the church at Corinth, but Ephesus was really overrun with them. You might remember... That Paul in Acts 20, have you, have you found Revelation 2? Hold your place there and go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Paul, you know, we've looked at this passage. Paul convened this minister's conference there in, in Melita. He called for the elders of the, of the church of Ephesus, the ministers, the pastors, and he said in verse 29, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Now, this was, this was in the early 60, uh, I, I did have to go back to look at my chronological chart to actually pin it down, but let's just say around the early 60s, A.D., 60s, 62, 59, 63, somewhere around there, Paul thought that this would be the last time he would see them, but in fact, he was arrested, and we see that in in the latter part of the book of Acts. But after the arrest that we have uh, detailed in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter twenty-seven, after that time, Paul was released, and he went out and, and, and evangelized and, and still ministered. And this this epistle that we that we read over in First and Second Timothy, those epistles were written after his first imprisonment. So before that, in the in the around, like I said, in the early sixties. He predicted, he said, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Do you see a pattern? They want, they want an opportunity to be regarded. That's what it's all about. They want to draw disciples after themselves. Well, when John uh, received the book of Revelation... The book of Revelation was, was given, uh, this vision that he was given, this was in the late 90s A.D. So 30 years later, just exactly what had happened at the church at Ep- that Paul predicted would happen at the church, in the church of Ephesus was happening. And so Jesus uh, appeared to, to John and he said in chapter 2 verse 1, To the angel or to the messenger, I take that to mean the pastor, of the church of Ephesus. Pastors aren't angels. I'm certainly not one. But the word angel, angelos, which is commonly translated angel, uh, that's that's the way it's commonly translated. And spirit beings that come from heaven, angels, that's the Greek word that's used, angelos. But the definition of the word means a messenger. And so this isn't talking about actual angelic beings because he told John to write a letter to them and to write it on parchment. Well, who, how are you going to mail that letter? What's the, what's the angel's P.O. box? And besides that, why is a man giving a message to an angel from Jesus? Because every place out in the scripture, Jesus is given messages to the angels to give to men. So I take this to be the messenger of the church of Ephesus was the pastor of that church, pastors. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and listen, and that you cannot bear with those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. So the church at Ephesus had a, a real problem with apostles, false apostles, pseudo apostles. Only they had tested them, discovered that they were not true, that they were liars. And Jesus liked it. Jesus is not against, Jesus is in favor of of supernatural ministries and supernatural experiences being judged now the reason this was so important in ephesus is that ephesus was the uh, geographical center of the roman empire you remember when paul on his second missionary journey went to ephesus he stayed there three years this huge work that that happened there I mean he was there for for a period of about 3 years and a and such a work such a gospel work happened in the ministry of the apostle Paul that Ephesus was was the city of the of the goddess Diana pagan god with a magnificent temple that had, had taken 200 years to build this temple of the great god, uh, goddess Diana and it was it was a city given to paganism and by in the, in the space of a little over three years, as a result of what God did through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, people were deserting the temples in such n- numbers, turning to the church. The church was getting all the attention, and the and the people who were uh 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 you know headed up the ministry or the or the, the temple of the of the uh, goddess Diana. They said, "We're going to do something. Stop this, because the whole world's running after this Paul and this Christ and." We're going to lose. We're going to the the, the the worship of Diana is going to fall by the wayside if we don't do something. So it was a tremendous work that happened there. Churches were established. Well, Ephesus, because of where it was, there were these roads that radiated out. Ephesus was on the imperial highway from from uh, from the east to, to to Rome. It was a very. It was a commercial center and it was a uh, social center. And it was considered, it was called the light of Asia. Ephesus was known as the light of Asia. Because whatever happened in Asia spread everywhere else. The other churches in the, in the book of Revelation here, these seven churches, Ephesus is the first one. Those other seven churches, Smyrna and, and, and Thyatira and all of those were likely offshoots of this mother church in Ephesus. Because the influence of of Ephesus in the natural uh, uh, enabled Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, to have that kind of influence and spread. What would happen in Ephesus is because it was such a, a, a like I said, it was called the city of light. And uh, because of, of its influence, things that that could get a hold and take hold in Ephesus would spread. So because of that, free thinkers and uh people with new ideas, novel ideas, arts and things, they would come to Ephesus and try out their work or their, their new idea or their new doctrine or whatever it is. You know, They would try it in Ephesus first because if they, could, if they could win it in Ephesus, they know they could take over all of Asia. Well, when that was going on in the natural, Well, when the church began to explode in Ephesus, it became clear that the church in Ephesus was going to be equally influential and whatever happened in the church at Ephesus would spread to all of Asia. So people then began to come with false doctrines. Their idea was, if I'll try this out in Ephesus and if I can get a foothold in Ephesus, I'll reach all of Asia. I'll become recognized. I'll be somebody so, all of these false ministers would come to Ephesus, these false apostles. Ephesus was, was, had a real problem. The church had a problem on its hand, but the church had heeded, at least for a while, up until this point, they had heeded the, the instructions of the apostle Paul 30 years prior, and they had developed a, a no tolerance for false apostles. No tolerance. I mean, but wouldn't put up with it at all. That's why I have that attitude today. I'm not putting up with false prophets, false apostles, false teachers. I'm not putting up with it. Jesus commanded, he commended the church. Now, there were other things that, that, threatened the church. He said, number one, you've, you've, you've left your first love. So there were some problems at Ephesus, but he said this, you have, this you have is you hate those who are evil and you have judged those, you've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you've found them to be liars. Jesus likes that. <laughs> I remember when the story that, that, that Dad Hagen told of whenever Jesus, uh, one time Jesus appeared to him and told him something, you know, that, that he, Jesus was trying to talk to him, and that evil spirit popped up and started making all that noise and threw up a, a smoke screen. And, and, and Brother Hagin, you know, he could hear Jesus talking, but he couldn't understand what Jesus was saying. And he finally, out of frustration, just pointed to that spirit and said, Shut your mouth, shut up. And he said, He fell down, and the smoke screen went away. And Jesus said, If you hadn't done that, I couldn't have. Brother Hagin said, now, hold on a minute, Jesus. You might, I might be standing here and I know you're appearing to me and I don't care if you are Jesus. I've never heard anything like that in my life. Jesus said, there's a lot you haven't heard. (laughs) Jesus said, if there's anything like that in the Bible, I haven't seen it. He said, there's a lot in the Bible you haven't seen. And Jesus said, well, I tell you what. He said, I know you're standing here, but even though you're Jesus, you're gonna have to give me three scriptures from the New Testament to support what you just said because I've read the New Testament 150 times and it's not in there. It's what he's essentially saying, Is I haven't seen it. He was essentially saying, I've read it and it's not there. (laughs) Jesus, he didn't get mad with him because Jesus loves this kind of stuff. He loves people who will test the spirits. It's what he said to do. He said, instead of getting mad, Jesus smiled real sweet and said, I'll do you one better. I'll give you four references from the New Testament. So he gave him four references to prove what he had just said. My point is, it's right and it's good To test the spirits, to test false ministers and false doctrines and false manifest or false test all manifestations of the spirit to see if they are false. There are real apostles. So you you have to maintain an understanding of the Bible and test these things to see if they're true or not. There's a man that, that I had way back in the 1980s come to our church to minister. He was a Bible teacher. And he had a he had a good ministry. He had written some books, and 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 I liked him. He was he was he was solid, but he had a flaw that I detected. Nobody ever said it. I just being around him, I knew this was true. Uh, Just because of the of the things that he said, this was in the early word of faith days, and like our church, like I said, our church had just been going just a short while. And I invited him to come and because I, I knew of him, didn't know him personally until he came. But I could tell in talking with him that he wanted to be regarded. He really wanted to be, he wanted to get in that group of the of the upper echelon of the word of faith. I, what's the, you might know Steve or some of you sports fans might know, what is that, uh, that term from, uh, I think it came from uh, Notre Dame, the seven, Stones of Granite or something. Does anybody know what that is? Has anybody ever heard of that? Back way back when, you know, when Notre Dame really, you know, made its name in football, there there were there were seven linebackers or or huh? Not seven horsemen, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was called the Seven Stones of Granite. They were like these seven linebackers or 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 linemen or something. And and they were, you know, they were uh, you know, taking college football by storm, and I think of and I think of the seven g- stones of granite in the Word of Faith movement. You know, in, in those days, Kenneth Hagan, obviously the the uh, Mahatma of all. You know, uh, the leader. And there's Kenneth Copeland, and there was uh, Fred Price, and there was uh, uh, Norval Hayes, and John Osteen, and who else? Huh? Did you? The four horsemen of what? They called them Four Horsemen? Well, there were seven stones somewhere. What have you got? Seven blocks of granite. Seven blocks of granite. Who were they? Okay, Fordham. Wasn't, it wasn't Notre Dame. See, Jesus is happy with these two guys. <laughs> try these things and see if they're true (laughs) seven what seven blocks blocks of granite and so I think about Kenneth Hagen and Kenneth Copeland and Fred Price and John Osteen and Norval Hayes and Charles Capps and I can only come up with six (laughs) though huh no well no he wasn't really a word of faith guy it might have been well Jerry that would be that would be my choice for number seven And uh, so, anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) Glory to God. He wanted to be—he wanted to be that seventh stone, I guess, that seventh block of granite. I could—I could tell by talking to him that he just wanted to be—he wanted to be in that clique. He wanted to be in that group, and he was a good minister. But that's a fault. It not, it's not, doesn't have to ruin your life. And I never said anything to anybody else about it. Never said anything till tonight about it. You've never heard me say it. Uh, I don't know what's happened to him. But I had a problem with him when he was here because he insisted on taking up his own offering in other words, when we have a guest minister, I pass out, you have our ushers passed out church envelopes and we collect the offering. They take it in the back and count it and whatever goes to the minister goes to the minister. He insisted that he take up his own offering with his own envelopes. And I was pretty green at the time. I'd never run into that before. I didn't like it, but I, I went along with it. But then, but then he left town and I kept trying to find out, well, what was your offering? You know, was it a good offering? What, what? He wouldn't tell me. One that it kept secret, never did tell me, never did find out, he never came back. Uh, now, I don't know what's happened to him. I've never, I've not heard of him for, for many, many, I mean, for decades, not heard a word from him. But his son has been, was, kind of worked with him and kind of traveled behind him and some of the churches he's he ministered in. And like I said, I don't know what's happened to the dad, but the son is in ministry today and he calls himself an apostle. He's a fake apostle. He's not an apostle. And I've seen him on on TV because a friend of mine who should know better, a pastor friend of mine who should know better, had him in the church where they pastor, should have known better, and even told me, I know, that's crazy. He's not an apostle. I'm thinking, well, why in the world would you have him? Anyway, he got talked into it. So I went online, not just a couple, three, four years ago, or it might have been longer, I don't know, went and found this particular son. He's, you know, he's as old as the dad was back then, or older, I guess now. And he's apostle so-and-so. It's all about money. It's all about going into churches and and being uh, recognized as somebody big and important and anointed. And there are just enough churches around to keep those people funded. Because there's a, a sucker born every day <laughs> this is what the, the expression is. It seems like there's a sucker church raised up every day to fall for this stuff. And it's my job to protect us from false ministers, but it's all of our jobs to protect ourselves from false doctrines and phony, phony, phony manifestations of the Spirit. Because not everybody that says they've had a dream from God, not all of those dreams came from God. Not every vision that report, reportedly came from God came from God. Amen. Well, let's see where I am in my notes. I'll just close by saying this because I've been going long enough. The church of, at Ephesus, Jesus said, You have tested them who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. Evidently, the church at Ephesus had developed a system, you might say, or a series of uh, uh, questions or examinations or something. In other words, this wasn't just something that happened by accident. Now, why would they do that? Because the church at Ephesus had seen The real apostles. They had experienced real apostles, and they knew that fake apostles were a threat to the real. Because if people could, could, could worm their way in and claim to be apostles who weren't, and if the leadership in the church didn't stop them, the church would follow after them. And the reputation, there would be a stain on the, on the real genuine ministry, uh, apostolic ministry, and, and it would uh, undercut it and, and, and uh, 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 cause it to be not regarded like it should. Because the things that that are by the Spirit, men who really operate by the Spirit don't promote themselves. Brother Hagin used to say it like this, you can put any name you want to on on an empty can, but I won't put nothing in the can. And he said, anybody that has to go around calling themselves an apostle or prophet probably aren't either an apostle or a prophet. Because men of the Spirit don't have to take on heirs. They don't have to promote themselves. They don't have to try to be, they don't have to try to polish up an image because they just depend on the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's not there, he's just not there. That's one thing I loved about Brother Hagen. I've been in more, far, far more meetings of his that were non-spectacular by a huge uh, uh, multiplier than I've been in meetings where something spectacular happened. Because if the anointing wasn't there to, you know, to, to operate as a prophet and stand in that awesome office that he did so magnificently, if the anointing wasn't there, he, he would just teach. And, and it, was, it was prophetic teaching, but it was just teaching. And a lot of people in, in the latter part of, uh, of, latter half of his life, I would say from the time I was at Ramah going on, there were people when I went to Bible school would sleep in his classes, Because they were just, it was just dull teaching. They were wanting that pop, that supernatural, woo. They wanted him to stand up on the platform and call people out and get lost in the spirit and see angels and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just a few times that happened. Most of the time it didn't happen. Because men of God don't put stuff on. They don't make up stuff. They don't put put on. But false apostles do nothing but put on. And it's dangerous to the real apostolic office. It's a danger to the real prophetic office. It's a danger to the real pastoral office. It's a danger to the teaching office and evangelistic office when people who are fake are regarded as true. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) Glory to God. So they tested them. So like I said, this was some kind of a deliberate investigation. And uh we'll 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 unplug here and we'll look at more of this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're living in a time where error and false ministers are uh, multiplying. You the the day of of media that we're in today, the the, the uh, Multitude of different kinds of media has set up a perfect situation where people can can uh, uh, work their error and their and their deception and get into churches th- through the congregation. And I urge you, I call on you to be careful. Of who you listen to. You need to, you need to, you need to, before you accept somebody as being real, you need to find out something about them. Before you just gobble up that, that bait, <laughs> you need to find out if it's real and what's behind it. And what, is there somebody trying to hook you with something? Amen. Well, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Amen. We'll go further. Hallelujah. Because we're also living in the greatest day of the church. Hallelujah. What's going on in our world that seems to be so much trouble is nothing in the world than the devil trying to stop the spread of the gospel. I guarantee you that's the biggest That's the biggest thing behind COVID is to try to stop the God. Missionary work all over the world has come to an absolute standstill for one solid year. Everybody's home. Nobody can travel. Nobody can go. That tells me that there's about to be an eruption, glory to God, of gospel power, gospel activity, glory to God. And in churches and assemblies everywhere, glory to God, That the power of God. Jesus will not be defeated. The church will not be defeated. The devil snuck this in, but it's not going to last and it's not going to work. Glory to God. Because the true church will arise in these last days what we sometimes call the remnant church, the true church, glory to God, that isn't caught up with all of the the trappings of the flesh and all of the hoopla of natural things. Just depend on the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Word and the Spirit and nothing more. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand up. Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for a hunger and a desire in the church to be approved unto God, to recognize those ministries and those moves of the Spirit that are of the Spirit, that are of God, and not be deceived and taken in by that which is phony and fake. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If we're living in the last days, then we're going to be the church that overcomes in the last days. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teachings.